Hey, this is Bobby Gustafson, and you're listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right. Hey, everybody. It's me, Dr. Fuck. With me is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from Merciful Fate. That's true. My night job. That's right. Also known as King Diamond. Hello. And uh, we're the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Uh, a podcast that has a page that won't allow people that we ban. So stop asking and come back on. <laughs> and I'm not only ask. I'm not only talking to Mr. Sammy Hagar lover. There's also somebody else that's bothering me to come back on. His his name rhymes with Brody. <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle. I like that. <laughs> yeah, this guy that name rhymes with Brody keeps asking to come back. So it's like Brody and the other guy's name uh, rhymes with. Mark. <laughs> I, I think Brody is, is the only person I banned. <laughs> actually, yeah. Brody actually said, I said to Brody, he goes, come on, man. I go, dude, talk to Ian, all right? And he goes, yeah, but Ian told me that he's banned. I'm banned. I don't know how to get back on. There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, guys, stay away from us. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're not that important. Yeah, get and life. And, and definitely don't fuck with Ralph. Oh, we, man. We, we, we said it before, man. Even if I love you. Hey, I love a guy that got banned from this page, but he pissed off Ralph. And, you know, we made this pact. Who, you know, whoever we say, I'm a lot more lenient. But, uh, you know, you know, whatever Ralph does, I respect that. Even if I don't like it. So you shit out of luck. And I am, I am going to give a warning real quick. This is one for really getting on my last nerve. And I, I know you're a super fan. I know you love the show. But Andrew Jacobs, if I see one more motherfucking, well, can we agree that this band is worse than Van Hagar? No, there are no bands worse than Van Hagar. Yeah, stop with that. And I love that guy because that guy recently bought me a DVD for me to review. And actually, it was a really funny DVD. It's called Windy City. Yeah. I forgot the name. I know, I know what you're talking about. But it was great. It was really good. And I reviewed it. And uh, I want to thank you, Andrew Jacobs. But, uh, you know, stop with that stupid shit. You know, and, and also, all these, these say, hey, uh, can't you admit this is better than Do we really want to bring Mark back to the page with posts like that? Seriously. He'll be like, you know how Mark is. He'll be like, well, I didn't start that post. Yeah. You know, I, I there's, just stop, Mark. And, and stop on his show too, by the way. <laughs> there you go. The Lord have mercy on my soul. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be on both their shows. Yeah, just but yeah, just just look, I'm the guy that bans people and then I end up going on their show. <laughs> yeah, because we hate competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well we'll see. What's Mark's show called though, by the way? Uh I'll see I'll soon be going back to Terrence podcast. I think uh, free free form friggin' frack. Free box freaking frack. Yeah, fr- free form rock or something like that. Hey, a plug for you, Mark. There now you don't have to come on the page and and and, and plug it. Yeah. Don't when I'm on, I'll plug it on the podcast. <laughs> no, I won't. 
All righty. Well, uh, hey, let's get into some iTunes reviews. What do you say? All right, man. We got an iTunes review this week? Well, we actually, we got, uh, we got some more five-star ratings, and we got uh, another review and a half. See, you can, you can leave a, just a rating if you want. We have 74 ratings, but 60 reviews. Uh, so some people are just too lazy to type. But hey, I'll take a five-star review. But uh, what we read last week, Claus's cousin redid his review. And to me, it basically looks the same. I don't see what he changed, but it's a new version of it. But like, it's not different enough to reread. I'm sorry, Claus. Claus's cousin. But uh, but we do have a new one, and this one is from uh, Cappies. Cappies. Yeah, Cappies. And it's a five-star review entitled, Believe This. And he says, and I quote, These guys are to the point. Imagine your favorite song, how it makes you feel when you experience it. That is what this show is to me. Hopefully you will feel the same when you hear it. Don't forget, there's a lot of grapevines like Facebook and, I I love this part just for uh, Scott Green, and That Metal Show. It's that metal station. Right. <laughs> but, but everyone makes the same mistake. But yes, uh, for everybody out there, you, you can. We do have a Facebook page, and Ralph and I both have shows on that metal station. Uh, and he goes on to say, see you in the rooms and enjoy the shows. So, Cappies, uh, you should have said who you are, and I'll throw that out there to everybody. Uh, write in the review who you actually are so I can say your name. I know everybody comes up with a, uh, you know, a, a funky name for iTunes, you know, uh, a cool handle, if you will. But hey, say your real name so I can say it, unless you're too ashamed that you listen to this show, which I understand that. So, But uh, Cappies, uh, thank you for the review. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank All you, right. Cappy. Also, I like the name, too, Cappy. <laughs> I, want a, I want a friend called Cappy. <laughs> well, apparently you have one. You just don't know his true identity. Muzzy? Is it Muzzy? <laughs> Fuzzy, Wuzzy, Muzzy? <laughs> yeah, Muzzy. Who, who, uh, Muzzy, the only thing I guess he's guilty of is being coy with Ralph and, and, and having a fake profile. But see, we're suspect of fake profiles, uh, you know, because it automatically it makes it look like you're somebody who's been banned. So if you don't come forward and tell one of us who you are, you know, you 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 should you could suffer the same fate as Muzzy. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's get into the news. Or do you have anything you would like to talk about, Ralph, before we get the news? Yes. Uh, this past um, Saturday, Thri- uh, Combat played a show up in uh, Lake Worth, and uh, who but who but Bobby Gustafson from Overkill, ex-guitar nice. player, was there, and uh, he agreed to do a solo on Thrasherdyce's version of Hammerhead. Wow. Which will be done very soon, but I also wanted to say that, check this out. This, come on, everybody in the podcast, I, I know you guys are supporters. And uh, we had last week Dan on here about Metal City Mayhem, and he decided to stop with the Kickstarter. He's just gonna go to film festivals. But now I'm gonna ask you all if you can find it in your heart to help with this charity. It's a charity that really, really is important, okay? Um, There's this girl. She was 
driving home on her motorcycle from a charity event. She was actually at a charity event, had an accident and had her leg amputated. Now, there's a charity for her now. And what it is, it's called Hail Mary. And check it out. It's Bobby Gustafson, Sid Fallick, the drummer from Overkill, oh, wow. and John Gallagher from Raven. Oh, wow. Did a song, and it, it's under the, the banner Hail Mary. Go to CD Baby, punch it up, Hail Mary. And um, what do you call uh it's $2.99. It's a great song. Yeah, $2.99 is a little too much for a song, but it's for a good cause. So if you can please find it in your art, go to CD Baby, type in Hail Mary, and download the song. It's only $2.99. Dude, I did it four times. Okay? I have four MP3s of the same song. So I'm calling for everybody out there that's listening to the show. Come on, it's only three bucks. And it's for a really good cause. And plus, this guy agreed to be on a Thrasher Die cover, you know? So I'm doing him the favor since he's doing me the favor. And I'm calling out to all of you, please help. And go there and download that song. So if you do, I'll be eternal grateful. And and anybody that does download it more than once, Ian will give you a blowjob. That's right. That's yeah. right. I'm not I'm not that good at it, but I'll try. It's a bit toothy, but what the hell? Yeah. Hey. That, I'm just trying to appeal to our gay fans. And you know there's a lot of them. Oh, shit. I think I just ruined this, didn't I? <laughs> no, they're all hetero. I'm sure none of them want it. <laughs> God damn it. I'm Rock and Metal semi. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Losing fans since 2014. <laughs> yeah. You got oh, calls, bro. Now, now, did you did you talk uh, and I, I do want to reiterate uh that that is a great charity. It's not a lot of money when you think about it. Think of all the things you piss away three dollars on so if you can do it uh please do it you know because uh that would suck for anybody man think if it was if it was somebody in your family so definitely a good charity i'm gonna go on there and do it and, and i'm notoriously cheap but I'm, I'm gonna do it well um one one other thing before we get in the news um i want to thank a lot of our fans that uh, uh sent me some condolences i had a friend who passed away and i did put up a title uh saying rest in peace little sister it wasn't my actual sister who passed away but it was a girl i grew up with was like a sister to me and it was it was a very hard loss she was very young you know to to pass away and i just want to say thank you to everybody you know and uh sorry to the listeners of the the wadzilla rock show this saturday it was a pretty somber show even you know scott green called me in the middle of a song like you know are you all right should you be doing this and Man, I was just trying to move forward and uh, trying to do a show. It wasn't my best show by any means. A lot of people didn't even think I was going to be on air, but uh, but I was. But I want to thank everybody who sent out, you know, their thoughts, and uh, it, it means a lot. You're a great, uh, you know, little family we got here, and it and it meant a lot. So thank you to everybody, including Doctor Fuck, who you know was checking in on me. So I want to say thank you to all of you who who cared. Yeah, about my condolences. And thank you, and just want to say, uh, Dana Panaris, rest in peace. All right, well, let's get into some news. And uh, funny enough, our first news story has to do with who you were just talking about. Well, his former band, I should say. Uh, Overkill announced a new U.S. tour they're going to do uh, through February and March. Now, the dates have not been released, but 
I'm not holding my breath they're going to come to me, but hopefully, Ralph, you get to see him. Uh, Overkill's doing a tour with the bands Nile and Amorphous opening up. Now, I've I've, I've heard some Nile. I've heard of Amorphous, but I've never heard of them. All right, I, I do love early Amorphous as well as early Nile, but, man, Nile, I've seen so many times, and they're just too pummeling for me. And yeah. to tell you the truth, I mean, later Amorphous really uh, I don't care for, and uh, I don't know if I would go in early for that show. Uh, yeah, but I would definitely go. I've never seen Overkill really want what? to. Uh, yeah, never got to see Overkill. That's wild. I know, I know, and, and man, I really want to, really want, well, Overkill's a band that I got into a lot later in, in life, you know, because uh, when I was younger, even when I started getting into thrash, I just couldn't handle, you know, it's much like the King Diamond thing. I couldn't get into uh, Bobby's voice, but then once I got past that, and, 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 you know, just learn to love it. And, you know, we're talking probably late 90s, and they just always missed where I was at. So Well, now uh, your next step, Ian, is to grow out of thinking that Van Halen is Cockrock. Yeah, no, that's not going to change. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so, yeah, if uh, when they announce the dates, we'll announce it on the show. But, uh, hey, the good news, if you live in the U.S., you might have a chance to see Overkill again. All right. Next story. Well, uh, Kirk Hammett does not care what you think about the new Van, uh, the new Van Halen, the new uh, Metallica song. Now, I don't think what you, I don't care what you think about Van Halen either, uh, Ian. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, this is something that really surprised me. Was that you, Ralph, liked the new song? I was expecting you to shit all over it. You know, let me tell you something. And uh, there's a lot of people that are shitting on it, and. Uh, I understand where they're coming from because they're using the same explanation of what I said about Death Magnetic. It's just a bunch of millionaires trying to be thrash again. Well, that's what it's, that's what Death Magnetic sounds to me. But it sounds that way to a lot of people out there as well about the new song. It doesn't to me. To me, I hear, wow. I'm like, holy fuck, this is, I, dude, believe me, I had a fucking rewind. I go, did I just hear what I heard? Seriously. It was full of fire. It fucking kicked ass. I don't mind James vocals. I love, like, we're fucked shit out of luck. People are like, ah, those lyrics are stupid. Whatever, dude. I love stupid lyrics then. I think it's a fucking exceptionally amazing best song they've done since Blackened. And uh, I love it. And I hope the rest of the album is as good. Or even if the rest of the album is half as good, I'll go buy it. Yeah, well, I'm definitely... They've definitely piqued my curiosity. Uh, the one thing is, they said this is going to be a double album, which is kind of surprising because they're saying it at uh, 80 minutes. Now, 80 minutes you could damn near fit on a CD these days. Uh, or maybe it was close to 70 minutes. It's, it's like just a hair over just to find a double. But, hey, there's another way to charge a little bit more, and it helps recoup all the losses from that movie nobody went and saw. Yeah. But... You know, when the new song come out, uh, like most Metallica fans, I think the thing is, our knives are sharpened before we even hear it. Yeah, we're just no matter what they do, if they do a Master of yeah. Puppets Part 2, that's, yeah. that's just as good as Master of Puppets, they're still going to be the naysayers. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, ready, we're ready to hate it. And at first, uh, I liked the song way more than I thought I was going to, but I was still kind of like, the drums still seemed a little bit weird, and again, I was kind of thrown off by the... Uh, we're fuck shit out of luck. Cause so you, 
to me, you gotta be weird with cussing, because sometimes it fits perfect in the song, and then it comes out like you're cussing to cuss. You know, it, it, uh, my best analogy would be uh, uh, the Suicidal Tendencies album. Uh, what was the one? Yeah, 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 Suicidal Life. Yeah, yeah, where it was no just like... No problem at all. Yeah, no, I understand, I understand definitely what you're saying. I just don't feel that way about the song. I think those bad words fit the song perfectly. Right, it actually, the uh, the more I heard it, the more I loved it. And uh, I'm like, hell yeah. Now, Lars has said that uh, this album is kind of all over the place. So that leaves me a little scared, but... You know what? There's a lot of Metallica songs that I love off those first four albums that aren't fucking Whiplash. I mean, I mean, you know, Fade to Black is what you know is mellower and different, but it's still powerful. So I'm really gonna give this one a chance. And if you look at the number of songs, and then you figure out the the 80 minutes, there's a shit ton of epics. But now. You know, are are they unnecessarily long and boring, like what I consider, uh, you know, the, the last Iron Maiden album? Or are they songs that justify the length and are, are truly epic and truly deserving? You know, it, it's all hearsay, it's all guess until we actually hear it. But it's supposed to be coming out in, uh, in November, I believe. And uh, that's something definitely we are going to review... The, the minute it comes out, you know, the minute I get it, Ralph's going to have it. We're, you know, we're going to live with it and uh, we're going to let you know what we think. And you know us, we are not going to hold back. So uh, tr trust us, even though Kirk won't listen to our opinion, uh, you should, because we'll, we'll give it to you honestly. So, but uh, I, I think he's smart because, you know, you can't listen to everybody. Most of the time when people take the time to comment, on, on blabbermouth and shit, and I read blabbermouth every day. Hell, I mean that's where I get the news that I read to you. I pick out the stuff I think you, the listener, would be interested in, and that that we're interested in. But a lot of times, I don't even bother with the comments because the only people who take the time to comment, ninety-five percent of the time, is negative on any story. You very rarely see anybody take the time to say, "Hey, good for this guy," or, or "That song's great." Normally, it's just somebody who wants to shit all over. And we shit all over a lot of stuff, but it's never just to be negative. If we feel, if you know, if we say something negative, we honestly believe it. We don't do it for shock value or to disturb confidence. It's just honestly how we feel. But I think, you know, a lot of people on Blabbermouth, that's what they do. It's bitching to bitch. And, uh, and we're going to keep it real for you. All right. Well, the next story. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby Blotzer. He, he's, he's at it again. You can tell he's feeling a little bit scared now that the rest of Rad is getting together without him. And, you know, there, there's a misleading headline on Blabbermouth saying that, you know, uh, that Warren Martini cannot do, you know, his version of Rad. But if you read it, Bobby and him both own a half, so I don't see why he can't. And it seems like, you know, the, the Bobby Blotzer version of Rat keeps falling apart, but the other ones start to come together. There's been a lot of uh, clips of Stephen Piercy singing lately where he sounds a lot better than I've heard him in years. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about the Bobby Blotzer-less version of Rat. 
And uh, I hope this pans out. What do you think, Ralph? I want Rat to get back together without Bobby Blosser and piss him off. And I don't believe when he says that Warren can't do it without him. Because why can he do it without Warren then? Right. Because he says that they both own 50%. So. Yeah. So but, why can't Warren? If he can, right. then Warren can. I, I think he's threatened because, I mean, you know, he's talking about, oh, there's a good reception to, to his version. And then, like I said, I agree. Even though, you know, I hate scab versions, what I heard sounded good, man. This guy does a great Stephen Piercy. But if you put both of these groups out on tour, what's everybody going to go see? You know they're going to go see, you know, Warren and, and Stephen and, and, and Juan way more than they're going to go see the original drummer. You know, so I, I think he's feeling threatened and, and he's really scared right now. And, you know, the, he keeps losing and adding band members. So uh, I think they got him on the ropes, man. And I just I just want to see rat. And more importantly, I want to hear another new record because I loved Infestation. And Steven said he's started writing with Warren. So, man, if they can do something like that again, I'm all for it. Yes. But, uh... The next story is another band from that same era of cock rock that I love oh so much. And that's Dokken. And uh, Mick Brown's come out and said there's already trouble in paradise. You just like saying cock rock to piss me off, right? I just love saying cock rock. No, I think you do it just to piss me off. <laughs> I know, it's all about you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what a bum. But... <laughs> what a pisser. Um, but yeah, um, I'm adding Brody back to the page. Fuck you. <laughs> oh shit! Here we go. Don't uh, hitting, bro. I'm not that insane. Oh. I'm not that mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, somehow we're gonna stop him from instant messaging me every two fucking seconds. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Mick Brown says there's already trouble in paradise, and uh, George and Don have already started arguing, and he's just hoping these shows go by real quick and it's over and done with and he, go, he goes I, you know I hope my opinions changed after the shows are done and we're all happy but already it's looking pretty bad I don't believe it for one second I think you're doing this just to peak interest to get more money from people going book it now before it deteriorates um, I see through the bullshit yeah because I, I would love to see you know the, the states I don't think they've done the warm up show I don't think that's happened yet uh, the one that they're doing in South Dakota. But, I mean, I would love to see video to see how it sounds and everything. Because I would be there in a fucking heartbeat. But, now, what... I'd love to see video of Dokken playing cock rock. I've never seen that yet. Oh, you've never seen a Dokken video? Yeah, no, no. I've seen Dokken <laughs> videos, but not them doing cock rock in the videos. No, I haven't you're seen just, that yet. You're just saying it's not cock rock to piss me off. <laughs> it's all about you. I know, right? Now you're going to add Mark, you prick. I know you. <laughs> I wouldn't freaking do that to you. All right, good. <laughs> um, but now what what uh, Mick was saying is, you know, there's a very small window anyway because they said as soon as they're done with these shows that Jeff Pilsen is going back to his much more lucrative gig, uh, gig playing in Scab Foreigner. So he's, uh, he's saying nothing's going to come of this anyway. He's just hoping... For a good experience, and they could, they could all look back on fondly. And uh, oh man. man, this all reeks of horseshit. It's all about money. God, 
Well, 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 no. Mick says all that. Mick says, "Yeah, that's the only reason they're doing this is for the money." Yeah, but they're they're throwing out all these stories to make even more money. Come on. I really don't think Don and you know what? And another thing, you know that whole Don George Lynch feud in the in the eighties, how they hate each other. You know they both came out later saying that that was all publicity stunt. Did you know this? Oh yeah, well they they, they said that on uh, on that metal station. I mean that go. metal show. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah. Damn, but, that's a stupid name for a show, isn't it? That metal show. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't. I mean, really, how much interest are you going to jump, up, uh, you know, get up anyway? Because I mean, let's be realistic. They could do a club tour, and that's it. They're not going to do no arena tour. Well, maybe with enough, like you know. Uh, media exposure, maybe they can get a little theater tour going, you know? You know, at one point, yeah, well, you know, Erase the Slate, they were doing theater tours. Believe it or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but, well, I mean, you know, like I'm saying, I, I think, you know, it'd be, they, they're playing House of Blueses. You, you know? That's they, good they, money, though, man. Oh, yeah, I mean, if they can get it, but, I mean, you know what I mean? They're not gonna, like, where we saw Rush, they're not gonna be playing that, you know? So, but uh, I, I hope they do because I would love to see it. But here's something I'm not excited for, and even D. Snyder knows people aren't excited for, and that's his new solo album. And D's already come out and said that he believes most metal fans are gonna hate this. Yeah, but remember that story he said a while ago? How you know, he already built it up, like, I bet you know, people didn't catch it the first time around, but he said he was gonna make like a pop album. Oh yeah, and and, and that's I actually he... have a clip of it. You want to hear it? Okay. <laughs> oh, that was wet. <laughs> that's the name of the song. That was wet. <laughs> but uh, he's throwing out mixed signals again, and and I I hate to bash on D, you know, because like, you know, hey, he was so nice when I met him. I I enjoy his music. Uh, you know, he was kind enough to do an intro for us. But he keeps contradicting himself. He's like, I want to bury my past. I want this new record to have nothing to do with the past. And then what does he do? This fucking acoustic version of his biggest fucking hit. So obviously you're really not letting go of the past because you're using that as a, you know, you know, to promote the thing. But what surprised me even more this week than you liking the new Metallica was you liking this acoustic version of We're Not Gonna Take It. Man, that, I, I, I that cry. Blew- it's not acoustic, by the way. Maybe you heard an acoustic version. What I what I put up is not acoustic. It's him and a piano. Well, that, that, is that, that what that, you heard before? Yeah, but what he did... Okay, he recorded this before. I, You know, I saw what you were talking about, this thing for the, the Chris Angel charity for sick children. Which, oh, hey, man, awesome. man, man, oh, I, I, I totally get that. I totally get it, yeah. Uh, sick children, man, is there anything... No, 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 but it's not so much the sick children that grabbed me. It's like, yeah, it grabbed me. I got to admit, the video was very emotional and stuff. But, man, the way D fucking delivered the song, man, way better than the original version. But then again, I was never a fan of... We're not going to take it. I, I Actually, I always hated that song. I always found it goofy. Well, see, here's the thing. I heard it before you did. Yeah. Because originally, before he tacked it on to this charity, he tacked it on to this thing for artists' uh, music rights. I remember like, you talking about it, and I told yeah. you I didn't want to even hear it. 
Yeah, it was it was it was a thing he did. You know, it was all these musicians uh, campaigning on Washington for them to get uh, more songwriting re residuals and talk about how how Spotify rips off the artists. So first he attached it to that, and nobody gave a shit. And then now he attached it to Chris Angel's charity. And I'll tell you what, dude, I I ain't even watched the fucking video. I'm sure the the, the video is is heartbreaking. You know, and some very dear friends of mine they lost their child this year to 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 child cancer. And and so, dude, you got me with the charity. I agree. Horrible, horrible. But you know what's worse than childhood cancer is this fucking song. Oh my. God, I this this seriously, and I I'm like you, Ralph, but I like the song better than you. But you want to talk about the doity doity lyrics? I mean, it's so stupid fucking lyrics. But to me, they sound even fucking dumber when you fucking play it with a fucking piano. To me, I mean, it really it, it'd be like playing "Burn Bitch Burn" with just a piano and like Engelberg Humperdinck singing it. Okay. You know, it, it is so, I I mean, that really blew my mind because I, I thought you were really going to hate on it. And then when you said you loved it, at first I thought you were goofing. Then I was like, whoa, no, he really likes it. And it wasn't just you, John Holt said he was moved to tears. Now, I don't know if that was in a positive way or, you know, it was just the kids that made him cry or it was a song that made him cry. But, oh, wow, man. Yeah, man, the way Dee delivers it, yeah, it gave me chills. I loved it. Really? And you, 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 you thought it seemed to mean more this way? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I just loved the the, the, the vocal delivery, and it, I really felt a lot of emotion in that voice. And, uh, and and in a way, you know, I took it as, you know, we're not going to take it anymore. God, stop giving little kids cancer. Jesus, you know? Hey, it, that's it's just hey. terrible. God, been killing people since forever, you know. But uh, hey, I, I I would advise everybody if you're moved to it, give to the charity, man. It's a good charity. Hopefully someday they eradicate cancer, man. Nobody likes seeing sick children. As a parent myself, there's just nothing worse than imagining a sick child. So I get that, but I just I, I find the song almost as scary as cancer. But uh, but Ralph liked it, so everybody listen, make up your own mind, and, and I got, it got a lot of positive feedback on my own personal page. I can't remember. I, I believe a lot of people on the on the podcast page loved it as well. But it oh, got, yeah. it's like everybody, like on my personal page, were like, "Wow," you know, they were really taken by it. And uh, dude, believe me, bro, I was ready to rip it apart. I go, "Okay, let me see this crap," and I was like, "Oh my god, look how good D is singing this," you know. I just, you know, and then, yeah, you have images of kids with cancer. It really did touch me. It was like, wow, man. And, and it made more sense to me than, you know, throwing your dad outside the fucking window, and like, like fucking Wile E. Coyote and shit. Yeah, well, well see, to me, that's what the, the lyrics fit that, you know. Okay, I, that's, that, that's fine. It, it, you, can, you, can, you can interpret it that way, too. But now I see how you can interpret it a different way, you know. Uh, well, either way. Uh, if you can, there's another great charity that uh, could use some help. All right, uh, another sad story. Tim Ripper Owens, poor guy, has to close his restaurant, man. This thing just wouldn't take off. And a listener of our show, Sue Mankin, uh, she goes there all the time when she goes home to Ohio. And actually, she used to be Ripper Owens' stylist when he was in a band called Winner's Bank. 
she grew up with him and he used to do his hair. <laughs> you know, because he did like the big uh, cock rock thing, you know, with the big poofy hair uh, when he was in this band. And uh, if uh, some of our listeners might have seen, there's a show called Bar Rescue. Have you ever heard Winner's Bane? Seriously. No. <laughs> They're far from cock rock, dude. They're more Judas Priestish. Like, meets Sabotage, meets, I don't know. It's right, total well, traditional no, no, metal. Yeah, no, but I'm saying their, their look. Like, they wanted that look. You know, the frilly look, the poofy, you know, the... the the hair, the done up hair, and that's what she did for him. She would do his hair, because it wasn't like no, like hey, we're metal. No, he wanted the wind tested, tunnel fucking hairdo. They wanted that look, just like how you described. Uh, you said how much you love the first Cinderella album, but the look doesn't match the music. Could could be a perfect case here. They were going for the Cinderella look, but you know, if you say it's heavier music, I believe you. Yeah, it's awesome, actually. I should Will do. But yeah, his restaurant, it was on uh, Bar Rescue. And basically, it's just something, you know, it's like, hey, he had money. He tried to invest it in this. He invested it with a friend who owns a lawn cutting business who had no restaurant experience. Uh, you know, it was Ripper's Rock House. And then after uh, Bar Rescue, they changed the name to Ripper Owens Time Traveler's you know, tavern or some shit like that. But now they're both saying they're just going to cut their losses and uh, close it down because neither one has the passion or the money for it anymore. And that sucks, dude, man. If there was a heavy metal restaurant here, I would go to it five nights a fucking week. Could you imagine going to a fucking, you know, restaurant where you'd hear fucking metal? That would be incredible. But I, I, I guess, uh, you know, we're in the minority do you, do you have any heavy metal uh, rest? Oh, you got uh, the Nico Rib, yeah. uh, Rock and Roll Ribs, which is fucking excellent. Um, I have, uh, uh, but I'll be honest, I never tried the chicken because people told me not to. But the ribs there are fucking great. It's damn shame. Well, coming soon, I'll be able to eat like you know once or twice a month, shit like that. So I want to go back there. It's pretty far from me. Um, it's about. I'd say an hour, 70 minutes from me, but worth the drive, let me tell you. But uh, w when you've gone, what, what's the turnout like? It's always packed. I mean, not, not so packed where I can't get a table, but it's not rockers. Every time I've been there, it's families. Wow. You know? uh, but that's because I don't go there on the right days. You know what I mean? I go there. Right. But, you know, Nico McBrain does have shows there on the anniversaries. Like, he'll play a show outside the place and, you know, like one year anniversary and they'll have local bands and Nico will join in and play with them. But every fucking time I go there, Nico's not there yet. You know, I go on Facebook and I see my friends go there and Nico's there, you know? I never see, but I've, I've met Nico so many times, it's fucking insane. Nico did my old radio show. That's the first oh. time. I, and then I met him at several concerts, Judas Priest, Dio. When Dio played down here, he got up on stage and played Rainbow in the Dark horribly. Like, he was playing Aces High during Rainbow in the Dark, you know? <laughs> it was like, dude, do you know this song or what? But, you know, and I've seen him join. Oh, and he played uh, Where Eagles Dare with uh, Dream Theater. So, oh, nice. Yeah, that's the benefit of having Nico McBrain live down here. And, you know, he's a very nice guy, too, when I met him. You know, he's a very sweet, nice guy, takes his time. 
But you know, we had one day on Hopkins go, hey, you nigga, you know, hopefully I'll catch him one day at the Rock and Roll Rip. Because, dude, if I'm eating his ribs, you know he'll do an ID for him. Exactly. You know what perplexes me about Rock and Roll Ribs? The Killers Platinum album on the wall. Why is that there? You know, it's like, you didn't play on this. Oh, he's just supporting his band, though. Uh, well, I mean, pe- people want to see Maiden shit. You know? uh, well, I want. <laughs> All right. Well, next story. Unfortunately, last Saturday, because of... Uh, you know, events. I wasn't up to going to see I Hate God with Phil and Semo singing. Uh, by all accounts, it was a great show. I saw some stuff on uh, Blabbermouth that was really fucking cool. But one show I am not missing is this Saturday. I'm going to go see Crowbar. And uh, with the return of Sexy T, Todd Strange, who is on our Facebook page, a listener of the show. They're coming uh, my way, by the way. I, I would recommend going to see every time I see Crowbar, they They've been amazing. I've seen them. And uh, I, I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to do my best. I know they're playing a show that night, but I've hung out. I've, I've got very drunk with Kirk before Crowbar shows. So I'm going to talk to him about coming on because they are releasing their new album in September. And I'm going to try to line something up where we can do a show with him, you know, probably to promote the release of their new album. And, uh, hell, just to get him on, on the show, you know, and... Uh, whether it's going to be the, the whole band or just Kirk or maybe just Todd, who knows. But either way, I know Mike Tyler would be tuning into that because he is a huge Crowbar fan. And Mike, I will mention you to them about uh, what a super fan you are. So I'm excited about the new Crowbar, the return of Todd. And uh, man, the last couple albums they put out have just been like really solid. I was so sad to see him leave down because I thought he was very important to down. Uh, but man, what he's been doing with Crowbar has, has been amazing. So I'm excited for the show, and I'm going to be excited to line something up for you, the listeners, uh, to, to get somebody, if not everybody, from Crowbar on the show. So coming in September, be on the lookout for that new album. All right. All right. And our last story uh, is entitled Cooking with Jeff. And it seems like Jeff Lamar from Cinderella is... Cockrock! Cock rock extreme. Yeah. It's get- after the first album. Total cock rock. Yeah. Because you only like the first one, right? Yeah, dad, big poofy hair, cock rock. <laughs> hair metal cock rock. Well, Jeff is now going to school to become a professional chef. Oh, man. I ain't eating there. You know why I would not eat where he works? You know why? Because I'll, I'll, I'll find hair in the food. Not hair, cock. Yeah, cock hair. <laughs> cock, cock rock hair in your food. Uh, now, uh, I would eat at his restaurant if it was Night Songs, Jeff LaBar. But uh, not uh, Heartbreak Station, Jeff LaBar, huh? No, he wasn't using hairspray then. The hair was loose. <laughs> but uh, Jeff is now kind of giving up hopes on Cinderella, really. <coughs> Excuse me. Doing anything. So he is pursuing a new career. And I find it very sad because, you know, uh, being a huge fan of Cinderella, you know, it, all the cards are held by Tom Keeper. But right now, Tom Keeper chooses to do the solo career. And I'm sure monetarily-wise, it makes the most sense because what are they really going to do anyway? And if he does it solo, 
much more, you know, pie for him <coughs> than if he had to split it with Cinderella. But, uh, yeah, Jeff is all excited about this. He's doing a two-year internship. And uh, I wish him the best of luck, man. I wish he was still rocking with Cinderella. But, hey, man, dude's got to pay rent. Yeah. So, uh, uh, <coughs> God damn. How do you feel about that, Ralph? Does it suck when you see guys that are from bands you love that are kind of held at the mercy from the one dude who really, like, controls everything? Or are you just, like, tough shit? Um, I think it sucks, to tell you the truth. But at the same time, maybe it's because... You know, Tom Kiefer is really the leader of the band and uh, probably doesn't want to share the pie, you know? And I right. saw and I saw the Tom Kiefer band, and I know a lot of people are going to give me shit. And, and you know what? I saw Cinderella, and I saw the Tom Kiefer band. I can tell you this right now. One's not better than the other. I saw the Tom Kiefer band do those Cinderella songs just as good as Cinderella does. But yeah, you know, it's not Cinderella. It's a stab band. But at least he doesn't call it Cinderella. True. Blotzer. But but he does... I'm telling you, when I saw it, it was 95% Cinderella song, and it fucking ruled. It ruled. You know? Yeah, I only saw um, Cinderella once. I saw him open up for David Lee Roth on the Little Ain't Enough tour, and uh, that was their Heartbreak Station tour. And, man, I... I, I thought they were great, you know, but I, I was a big fan as well. But, you know, much like you, Ralph, to me, nothing they've ever done has topped uh, Night Songs. Yeah. You, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy some of the other songs, but to me, it's all about Night Songs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel, you know, especially for bands from that era that, you know, if you want to call it cock rock or hair metal or whatever, they have a hard enough time as it is now. But when you have a band like that where one guy was, uh, you know, not only the songwriter for everything, so he gets all the residuals from whatever record sales are left. <coughs> but basically, you can't do the show without him. So I feel bad for those guys because... <coughs> Damn, sorry. They, they put in, uh, you know, sweat tears along with him, you know, building the band. But yet, without him, they can't do... Sh- you know, it'd be like the other guys from Guns N' Roses trying to go out without Axel. You know? What's Gilby Clark going to do without Axel? Nothing, the poor bastard. <laughs> well, he can paint houses without Axel. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's something. <laughs> and I would... Rather than have Gilby paint my house, I'd rather have a burrito from Jeff Labar. So that being with cock in it, with cock in it, hard cock, hard cock, rock and roll. Ah, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, I also want to say that Thrasher Dies Polar Holocaust is about to go out of print now because of uh, I won't go into you know, but you know, I want to be open to everybody, so I'm not I'm not going to mention names or anything. All the money that came from Polar Holocaust went back into the band. As far as like pressing the new CD, going on tour, uh, shirts, you name it. And I was told by a past member or two that uh, it's not fair that I use that money for the band, that it should have went to them. 
Therefore, I am no longer pressing Poser Holocaust. And all this came about because me being such an asshole, I I, I got, there's now a Thrasher Die website. It's thrasherdieband.com. So I said to the guys, hey guys, I'm almost out of Poser Holocaust CDs. Why don't you guys all get your money together and press the CD and sell it on the Thrasher Die uh, website and I'll even put that PayPal and I'll, you know, let you guys keep all the money. And by me asking that, then the truth came out by a certain member saying, I want 20% of what already was made. I don't want no future earnings and blah, blah, blah. So it really breaks my heart because I did want to put it out on vinyl. But to tell you the truth, um, Melting Your Skull sells way more than Poser Holocaust. So um, if you want Poser Holocaust on CD, get it now it's no longer i took it off the website it's sold out but you can get it on amazon and some other places but uh but when cd baby comes asking for a restock i'm not sending them no more i'm actually going to tell them it's out of print i'm going to go on itunes and take it off itunes so if you want it to download it do it now because i'm i'm eliminating poser holocaust from the face of the earth Okay, well, that, that's what I was going to ask you, is if it would still be available digitally, but no, you are going to take it off of iTunes. Every okay. way you can get Poser Holocaust, the only way you can get it now from now on is the legal download, but uh, if you're hearing this as a brand new episode, you can actually buy a hard copy, and, I, and I'm telling you, man, I'm never going to make these again. Now, I do have like half a box, and I'm going to, and I'll be, I'll be giving them away on the Dr. Fuck show. Uh, the original pressings, I'll be giving them away. Oh, nice. Well, one thing, I just got a text on my phone. <clears throat> For listeners who haven't got a copy of Poser Holocaust yet, Scott Green is going to be selling burnt copies <laughs> at thatmetalstation.com. It's going to have that Metal Station logo on the cover. But it will be a burned copy of Poser Holocaust. So and uh, you, Poser Holocaust flip-flops, I understand. Yes, yes. So so you can walk all over, you know, uh, Thrasher Die just like Ralph did. It'll be, it'll be giving away uh, Poser Holocaust 8-tracks, too. That's right. And cassettes and reels to reel. <laughs> all right. Well, we've gone on for a while here. Let's, uh, this is a detour for us, kind of a different band, something I think a lot of people didn't expect. But uh, we give the unexpected. And Ralph, this was your pick. Let's get into Triumphs 1979, Just a Game. Okay, let's do it. All right, here we go with uh, the 1979 review to Triumph, our first uh, Triumph review, Ian. Correct. And you know, you want to talk about a band that's forgotten. A band that used to play arenas back in the day, and now uh, they can't even play like places Skid Row plays at now. Which is, which is a shame. But uh, but we still got our memories. And uh, this is a very, very extremely important band to my life. as Because this is uh, one of the many bands back in the day, which is instinct today. A band with a positive message. And uh, Triumph had many songs with positive messages. And some with uh, really bad messages. Uh, which I will talk about. That's on this album. <laughs> and uh, But you know, they were great messages as I was a kid. You know, because it, it's really good messages if you're dumb and young. 
But uh, once you get older, you realize, dude, don't listen to these guys. But when they're being positive, it's very wise because what they say now, back then, is still it still works today, but not a lot of people would know that because nobody listens to Triumph anymore. Except us old fucks. Anyway, uh, I'll start this. Um, I can't I can't really tell you how I discovered Triumph. But I know this album just came. I know for sure this is the first album I bought for Triumph. And it might have been for the song Hold On, believe it or not. Not uh laid on the line because as far as i remember hold on was played on the radio back then but not laid on the line i don't remember laid on the line on the radio i remember it later but hold on was the song that was pushed by radio when i was a little kid and i dug it and maybe that's what made me go buy a sound because i bought the sound way when it came out it's their third album um uh, and uh it you know, it contained their first big hit, Laid on the Line, but, you know, and I did a little Wikipedia search and it said, and a near top 40 hit, Hold On, which is weird. I guess uh, Laid on the Line was a top 40 hit? Uh, no, I, I don't believe it was, but uh, I believe it had more of an impact. Uh, not chart-wise, chart but, but more plays. So, so, in other words, what Wikipedia is saying is that Hold on, almost made top forty. Where laid on the line did it? Yeah, yeah. Hold line, uh, hold, yeah. Laid on the line didn't uh, didn't chart, but it became more of a staple. Mm -hmm. Well, the interesting thing about this album, the vinyl, uh, it's you know it's a gatefold, and when you open it up, it's actually it, it reveals a board game. Uh, and and later pressings, I, I read on Wikipedia. The vinyl sleeves uh, doesn't bring the board game anymore, so I got the original. And according to a Rockline interview, the board game was Rick's idea, but Mike, the bass player, was the one who actually designed it and decided to make it impossible to win. So I, I was like, when, when, as a kid, I saw this board game, and I go, hey, I want to play this one day, but I didn't know how to play it. There was no instructions how to play it, but now I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have won. <laughs> and, and it does make sense. Uh, how you cannot win this game when you listen to the lyrics of just the game. Um, because that's, again, that's a very, it's a very positive song about the the negative planet we live on. Anyway, uh, yes, this album made me a fan. And I went back and bought Rock and Roll Machine, not knowing that Rock and Roll Machine was actually two albums in one because they just took out in Canada, they released a, a debut album called In the Beginning. And then they released Rock and Roll Machine. And the American version of Rock and Roll Machine had a combination of both those albums in one album. So I found this out later on. And uh, I loved Rock and Roll Machine. Then I bought Progression of Power when it came out. Allied Forces. And that that's when I finally got to see them was on the Allied Forces tour. Never Surrender was a great album. I saw that tour. And uh, Seven Thunder, Thunder Seven. And the King one, uh, Sport of Kings, whatever. And uh, I've been a big fan. I've always been a big fan. I've never given up on Triumph. I've always listened to them all through these years as they went away into obscurity. I still love Triumph. And matter of fact, I just the other day, well, like a month ago, I bought a, a Triumph Allied Forces shirt online. And uh, God, I love this band. And, uh, and I will go more into why I love this band. 
as we go into the songs. But now I'm going to throw it over to Ian, who I understand was a little more of a latecomer to this band. And I don't think this band means as much to you as it does to me. Am I correct, sir? You are correct, sir. Um, I don't hate the band, but, uh, you know, as I was getting into hard rock and metal, uh, they were already on their way out. And, you know, they weren't having any more hits at that time. Uh, now, I really discovered them through Classic Rock Radio in Chicago because you would hear Lay It on the Line, Magic Power, uh, Fight the Good Fight. And those were all songs that I loved, especially Lay It on the Line and Fight the Good Fight. Those are two of my favorite rock songs of all time. But for some reason, um, it's just one of those weird... Like, I never went out and bought a Triumph album. But I did have a friend... It's kind of escaping me. It might have been Mike Zeller, but uh, uh, one of my friends had classics, had the greatest hits. Mike Zeller? Yeah. I hate that guy. Oh, come on. He speaks well of you. Okay. Um, but uh, it, I, I liked it, but still there was just something like it. I, I, I never felt that like urge, like, ooh, I got to go out and, and get into these guys some more. But and I, and I can't explain it because I always dug those songs, but... Uh, get ready for this review. This is the only studio album that I've listened to in its entirety. So uh, I, I, I have a lot more to, to check out on Triumph, but uh, go with I, Al, go with Allied Forces. Nine out of ten people think yeah. Allied Forces is their best album. Where I think Just a Game is their best album. But Allied wow. Forces, Allied Forces is a very close second for me. Wow, but a think, lot of a lot of people feel like Alan Forces is their best album. You think this is the best one, though? Yes, I do. Hmm, interesting. I guess because it's my first, you know. Right. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have respect for Triumph. Uh, I think they've written some some classic songs. But yeah, they never. I, I mean, I guess you know there was a point where they were headliners and 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 you could see them in an arena, but it was it was far before. Uh, you know, I got into the scene, like I said, but, you know, by the time I got into it at 11, they were already, you know, on their way out. So I totally missed the boat, but, uh, I, I, I do respect some of their hits. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, you want to take the first song? Sure. The first song is moving on. Moving on. It, it did get stuck in my head a little bit. Uh, to me, this song sounds like, uh. Bad Boston, or, or, or 38 Special. Uh, it's definitely of that era, and but I don't think the, the, the there, there's something missing here. It's like a, to me this is like a, a a filler track, but it has that late 70s, early 80s sound, and I wouldn't even consider it uh, hard rock. Uh, well, you know what? What we, we consider hard rock metal. Uh, I would consider it closer to classic rock and southern rock kind of vibe to it, but definitely Boston. I think these guys got, a, you know, you always hear people lump them in with Rush, but I think that, that just because they're both from Canada. And they're a trio. Right, right. I, I, I think they have... Which, much... is, which is funny because you think about it, Rush, the bass player sang, and Triumph, the bass player didn't sing, but the drummer and, and the guitar player sang. Right. Isn't yeah, that weird? He's the only one who doesn't sing. And you know, they all like, kind of looked alike, like Rick Emmett with the blonde hair. 
And, well, and Mike Levine with the long brown hair. Yeah, Levine, that's a bass player, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he reminds me of fucking Derek Smalls from yeah, Spinal yeah, Tap. Yeah. He, he looks like he should have been in Fog Hat. Yeah, oh, definitely. He does. He looks like a, he looks like the guy on the cover of Full from the City. And it still <laughs> looks the same, except it's all gray now, but he's still got that long hair and mustache. Right. But yeah, it, it's got like the drummer from ZZ Top's named Beard and doesn't have a beard. What's with these weird trios? But uh, it, it's not a horrible song. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't grab me. And, you know, it's kind of got like that fake live vibe at the beginning. Not horrible, but it just, it, it doesn't have the meaning to me. Like, I know uh, a lot of this probably has to do with, you know, how old you were when you discovered this and where you were at. And I think that's kind of how I am with a lot of the cock rock. It has more to do with my age, you know, and how it spoke to me. Whereas, if you, you know, probably a lot of this, the cock rock that I love, leaning towards the hair metal, if it wasn't my age at the time, and that, that being when I first discovered, I probably wouldn't like it as much as I do. You know, and, and I, I don't know, maybe you honestly love this band, but I think probably a lot of it has to do with when you discovered it and in the age you were. Oh, yeah. But to, yeah, but, but to me, uh, th this just doesn't have the bite. Even though I did say I got, you know, moving on, stuck in my head. Uh, it's still, it, it's not a song that would make me like, oh, yeah, I got to get into these guys. But well, uh, what, you I gotta... say, what you say makes so much sense because look how tri look how tri where Triumph is today. You know, it's like the, right. you know Rush. Look at Rush compared to Triumph. Rush speaks to you more because Rush is a little more non-dated. I guess is a good word for it. Right, and 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 the, and the same with the Cock Rock. Look where the Cock Rock fans were. You know, ninety percent of those disappeared. Yeah, and never be heard again. Yeah, uh, like you like Kicks, right? You like that band Kicks. Uh, not a Kicks is another band I never bought one of their albums, but I enjoyed well, you the know, songs. Uh, well, one of these bands that nobody gives a fuck anymore. Well, I, I would say Dangerous Toys. Okay, Dangerous, Dangerous Toys is a great yes. example. It's like yes, even though they were nowhere near as popular as uh, Triumph, they still, yeah, they, they, you know, they 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 had some airplay. You got into them, but if you put somebody that got into shit during the Nirvana years, you know, yeah. Dangerous yeah. Toys would sound to them like moving on sounds to you exactly just very of the time very exactly. dated yes. where, where, where rush does sound sound timeless you I, I mean any music lover that knows you know there's certain things you can put on and you can say okay i, I bet you i can tell you when this came out and this is one of those and dangerous toys is the same you'd be like yeah late 80s you hear this instantly your mind's gonna go this is late 70s early 80s rock you know yeah 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 but, uh, yeah. what do you think? All right, before I get into what I think of this song, um, this album had four videos. Which really? I, yeah, I think it's unheard of. And I'll I'll talk about each video as we go there. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't until, like, Hysteria you had bands doing videos, like, four videos. I, I, You know, I was thinking about this earlier, and I could be wrong. Somebody can point it out to me. But uh, Cheap Trick, Dream Police, had three videos. Uh, the first Cheap Trick album had three videos. So, wait, wait. No, wait. Let me think. Hot Love, He's a Whore, um, TV Violence, and I think there was even another. Maybe I think... Uh, Candy? Wasn't there a live... Oh, Candy, you're right. So, all right, Cheap Trick had four videos for the first album. 
Twitch was pretty weird, you know, pre-MTV. So Triumph was another one, and this album has four videos. And this was the first video. Now, now were, were these all like live performance or were they no, conceptual They videos? were conceptual videos. Wow, I mean, wow. Like, like the Cheap Trick one. This is Triumph on stage, and all the videos looked alike, just like the Cheap Trick ones. They were all okay. shot at the same, you know. Oh, kind of like, uh, you know, the, the Motorhead ones from Another Perfect Day. There you go. And and Ace of Spades, you know. Right, with, uh, right. Uh, Chase is better than the catch, and uh, right, I got you. Anyway, so yeah, um, but it was actually moving on, and all those these videos was shot live, but you know, then you can tell some of it was not live, but still on the same stage. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And uh, you know, uh, this song, I'll tell you this. You know, <clears throat> I used to like it more. It's still not bad, but not as well aged as the rest of the album for me. For some reason, Triumph never had a strong opening track on their first four albums. I don't think, like the first album, um, God, I can't remember. Uh, it takes time. Eh, this album, moving on, eh. Um, the next album, I can't remember for the rest of the power. I have a brain fart. Even Allied Forces, Fool for Your Love, and I felt like is the worst song on the album which i feel like this is the worst one on the really? album yeah I I, I I i i do i don't i don't think it's as good as the rest uh you know it wasn't until too much thinking off never surrender where they had a, an actual strong opening track and spellbound was a great opening track but back to moving on it's my least favorite song on the album actually it has always been my least favorite, but still loved it back then. Now I just like it. But the solo is still bad fucking ass. That, to me, has aged well, because Rick fucking rules all over this fucking album. Um, and that's how I, that's what I feel about this uh, song. Now, I'll, I'll take the next one, uh, right. which is Lay It On The Line, which is uh, the most recognizable one now. And the second video from this song. You ever seen this video? No. Okay. No. Well, yeah, I don't no. think I've. I don't. Uh. Wait. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I posted this. I've seen one for this, and I've seen uh. Fight the good fight. That's the only ones I've ever seen. Okay. Well. Um. Uh, well. I, I got to tell you, MTV early MTV when they had no videos, right. they played all these Triumph videos. Moving on, laid on the line. All and I'll I'll mention the other one going. Yeah. See, I didn't get MTV till uh, where I lived till '84. So a lot yeah. of those ones. Yeah. By then, yeah. they were only showing a late on the line, I think. Right. You know, they, that was still on rotation on MTV all through the 80s. But moving on, I saw a bunch of times back then because they didn't have enough videos. Uh, anyway, the fashion these guys were wearing is so freaking 70s and dated in today's day and age. But I fucking love it. I want to see a band dress like this again. <laughs> I really do. It's so... I don't know, you have like fucking Mike Levine in the kimono. What do they call that thing? Or yeah, know, Rush Ward on 2112. Right, right. You know, and then you have fucking Rick Emmett who looks like almost like a leotard or something, you know? I love that shit where, where Gil is back there in the jeans and t-shirt. Yeah, he didn't fit in. He didn't want to wear that jazz. But <laughs> um, this song I fucking love. I love this song. Never gets old. Uh, amazing music and the lyrics I'm way past these lyrics I mean at the time they made sense to me because I was a young stupid kid 
But if I was to write a song like this today, it would be like one sentence long. It would be yeah. like, never thought you could be so unkind, bitch. Don't waste my time. Hit the bricks, cunt. It's the end. You know, you know, Rick is singing about some chick that's like playing head games on him. And he's like, look, don't waste my time. Lay it on the line. Tell me, are, are, are we going to go out or what? You don't want to deal with a chick like that. Head games is not my thing, yo. But I love this fucking song. That probably the best solo on the album. Oh, my God. It's so good. I, I overlooked the lyrics because what's special about these lyrics and especially the next song. Ooh, I got I got a lot to say about the next song's lyrics. But uh, this song, it's like, but at the time when I was a kid and stupid, you know, where I would deal with these head games because I wasn't an expert on cunts yet. <laughs> That I actually did think, and, and and it's very sad to say, I know actually people my age that still do think they can change chicks. And the funnier when chicks think they can change guys. <laughs> I always think that's fucking, that's funny as fuck. You can never change somebody. The only way somebody will change is if they want to change. You can never do it. All you fuckers out there, you're, you're seeing somebody that's, that you consider to be a pain in the ass and you're still with them because you think you're going to change them, listen to this Listen to this episode a year from now and then say, yes, Ralph, may I kiss your ass for being so intelligent? Hey, uh, can, can we pause this? I got to call my old lady and break up with her. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just call, her, call her and say lay it on the line. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you don't listen to this shit. Don't waste my time. Oh, man. Uh, you go ahead. That's what I think of this song. It rules. Lyrics are juvenile, but, you know. But so was I when I, when I listened back then. Thanks to this song, I had to put up with cunts. You see, there was negativity in trying back then for me, too. <laughs> uh, perfect fucking song. Uh, by, by fucking a mile, this is, by a thousand miles, this is the best song on the album. I don't think so. Oh, well. You, I, you will be shocked. By my favorite song on the album. Oh uh, well, well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it'll be my second favorite song. But uh, uh, I'll be shocked. Uh, yeah, I, I I think this is uh, by far the best song on here, uh, and very very Boston like on this. You know that, you know the the guitar riff. I mean uh, nobody does that like Tom Schultz, but uh, but uh, this this dude does a good uh, cover of it. But this is perfect the same way uh, Fight the Good Fight is perfect. Not one wasted note. Not I mean, everything is just... any Everything you could ask for in a fucking... Uh, in a rock song is, is in this. What a gorgeous, and, gorgeous solo. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, and I'll tell you what, as far as lyrical content... I didn't pay attention to the lyrics to any one of these fucking songs. Yeah, so, that's, that's my problem. I'm very into lyrics. Well, I, I, I am with some bands, but other bands, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, some songs like this, I, I can sing along with every song, I mean, with every word, but still not even think about what the fucking lyrics are. You know, it's just like, almost like subliminal. To me, it's like another instrument. It's like a guitar, you know, like, you know, if, if I'm listening to, to, you know, Neil Young, I'm listening to lyrics. If I'm listening to Dylan, I'm listening to lyrics. If I'm listening to, chances are, if I'm listening to rock and roll, Nine times out of ten, I, I I can recite the lyrics, but but really it's not something I sit there and uh, you know uh, 
dissect. So I don't even know what, what the fuck he's singing about, but I, I, can, I can sing along. I love it. I mean, it is a perfect fucking track. But again, this kind of reminds me <laughs> of, uh, of, of so many cock rock CDs that I bought because there's that one song. <laughs> you know, the rest of the album, I was like, eh. Spoiler alert, there's a lot I don't really care for on this album. But this song is, is perfect. You could, you could ask no better, and I can see why this is their most played song. It, it, it's catchy, well-structured, it's timeless. While, while I think a lot of this stuff is of its time, this is timeless. I mean, 30 years from now, people will hear this song, hopefully, and and, and, and it'll, it'll still be like, yeah, you know? Uh, it, it's perfect. You couldn't ask anything more. But then we go into the next song, which is Young Enough to Cry. And... Uh, in my best Ralph Vieira imitation, oh my. <laughs> uh, holy shit, the Canadian blues. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what would you fuckers lose the hockey game? Oh. Uh, you, <laughs> no maple syrup for your pancakes, eh? Yikes. What, what a bummer, you hoser. Take off, eh? Uh, oh man. I, I'll tell you what, my favorite blues... Well, well, I gotta give hats off to, to the real blues, the traditional blues, uh, as far as the best. But my personal favorite has always been English blues. I always love the English band's take on it. You know, bands like Savoy Brown, uh, John Mayle, uh, you know, Cream, uh, you know, shit like that. I just love what they did to it because they just added a little something. You know, old Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Fog hat. I love that shit. Uh, but this just sounds uh, very, very plastic. Uh, to me, this is like Vanilla Ice. This, this, this is a band that should not be playing the blues. It comes across as forced to me. And uh, man, I was really just like, fuck, how long is this song? And it's six minutes and three seconds. Second longest song, or no, sorry, third third longest song on the, on the record. Uh, yeah, this one I could not wait till it's over. Ralph, what do you think? I love this song, dude. Oh, okay. I think the, it speaks to me. I guess I'm into Canadian blues. I uh, maybe, maybe if I listened to the lyrics and I was going through a breakup, I might like it. But Well, this uh, song got me through some really tough times when I was so fucking stupid to be heard over horrible ex-girlfriends. Yeah, but then again, so did Chinese democracy. Uh, no, no, no. That one still holds true. This one, because at least then I was a little older, you know, and, and it woke me up. Actually, that Chinese democracy didn't help me get over her. I was already over her. It just Chinese democracy, the lyrics like reminded me of her going, man, this this song's about her, you know? <laughs> anyway, so um, what do you call, uh, but uh, it, there's, a, there's a line in the song that that makes so much sense to me now, but it didn't back then when he says, uh, too old to get hurt, where he keeps saying, too old to get hurt, babe, too old to get hurt, but I'm not too young, to, uh, young enough to cry. Too old to get hurt really does make sense to me now, because no horrible girlfriends can hurt me anymore. With age, yeah. I learned it's not worth hurting over these dames, because all I have to do is think of of all these who hurt me and how much they mean to me now, which is shit, they mean nothing to me. But yeah, way back in the day, I was stupid enough to hurt over these witches. 
Did I cry? Well, maybe I did, but I blocked it out of my memory because, you know, I do that when it comes to pathetic shit I've done in my past. <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, but listening to this song does, does not help me anymore. In fact, it brings back these shameful memories when I let cunts hurt me. <laughs> but musically, it's still a badass blues jam with, in my opinion, with a, with a fucking shredding solo by Rick where every fucking note pulls them heartstrings. Even now, it's still able to pull them strings on my now blackened heart thanks to them cunts. Regardless of this lyrics, I still love this tune. The message is horrible. I mean, it's good. See, the thing is, at the time, it was it was good for me. I mean, in retrospect, it wasn't because I'm listening to Gil say all this shit. And I'm like, hey, yeah, man, I'm not young enough to cry. <laughs> you know, I you know, I needed more like D. Snyder saying, you know, I am on me. You know, smack me around a little bit. But but I still love it. And I was listening to this today on my walk, the whole album. And when that solo came on, oh my god, damn, dude. I'm sorry, but you know, look, I love the English blues too, what you were talking about. I'm not really too familiar with uh, Savoy Brown, but you know, fucking Deep Purple, Lazy, and shit like Even though that's not that. Or When a Blind Man Cries. Right. Uh, mistreated. You know, that's killer, right. killer English blues. And, you know, the Stones album we just heard. Right. Some great shit on there, but what the fuck did they have? What? what, what? It, it, was it really that bad? True Blues was fucking Robert Johnson and, you know, people that didn't have a pot to piss in. Now, Rolling Stones went to college, you know what I mean? But still, oh, it's... No, I, I agree. I, I agree, but I just like what, what the English... It, it just, it's a little different way they do it, but for some reason, it just I enjoy it more. I respect the, 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 the true shit more, but I like to listen to the English better. I understand what you're saying. That, that's my point. Is Triumph is no different, you know? I mean, Triumph may have, may have had it. I don't know. Maybe Canada is a little better to live than England. Maybe it's not as rainy, but it is fucking cold up there. Yeah. But uh, I'd be blue. Believe me, I'd suffer the blues big time if I lived in Canada, because I can't stand the fucking cold. Yeah, but, fuck that shit. Yeah, exactly. I'd be. I'd, I'd still be old and crying if I was up there. And but, I, I think it's important we mention to our listeners. You know, because we do have we do have the youngins that haven't gone through all the heartbreaks yet. Yeah, that, don't that listen we, to this song. We have no. Yeah, if you're young and you and you go through a breakup, just skip all this shit. Skip the self pity shit and just listen to the mentors. Yeah, yeah. Find listen to the mentors. And, exactly. Then you'll realize what women truly are, what they're put here for, and what the fuck is so sad about. Just yeah. find another find another bitch to clean up your house. Yep. And make you dinner. It is suck, awesome. It is suck awesome. That's really all they're good for. Because if you want to have fun, <laughs> if you want to have fun, you go hang out with your guys. You know. You know if if if, if you want to, you know, watch a goddamn John Claude Van Damme movie or watch the football game or go to a concert, you don't want your fucking girl with you. You want your boys with you. Women are good when it's dinner time and fuck time. Other than that, hooey. Yeah. Make sure, make sure your girl never listens to this episode. I know. <laughs> I still got her. Like, still love you, honey. See, I could, I could say shit like that without looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Mine's at work right now where she belongs. 
Yeah, she, oh. does, she doesn't listen to metal. You know why? Because the only metal that chicks should be into are pots and pans. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, manpower. <laughs> oh boy oh anyway so, so yeah uh i'll take the next one uh, right. you talk yeah you talked about it yes. all right american girls <clears throat> third video they made a video for this one too uh i think it's a fun killer rocker with a killer riff uh this this i think should have opened the album because it adds a little like you know crescendo going up but again, the lyrics are cheeseball as fuck. But it has, it has bad. But it's badass. When I first heard it back when I was like 14, 13, you know, back then shit was so fucking innocent. You know, like like the line, "I won't even kiss her unless I'm gonna make her my wife." It's like, yeah, lyrics are dumb as fuck, but it had its charm for me. Uh, th this was back uh, when I was not corrupted by the vagina and knowing that that one will never be enough, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know... <laughs> Pussies like potato chips, kids. <laughs> exactly, you know? It's like, the lyrics are dumb as fuck, but, but it had a charm back when I wasn't corrupted by vagina. But, you know, now, it's like, you know, one's not enough, you know? I need a lot of vagina, and you know what? I'm no spring chicken. And the clock is ticking. So let's hurry up and finish this review. I need to go out there and find some new American girl poon. But back to the song. I think it's hard rocking. Jam with a great vocal by Gil. Rick just killing it as he does on every song on this fucking album. And it was uh, a setless mainstay. Uh, all the way up to uh, Sport of Kings. They, they always threw out this one and uh, laid on the line with the two songs. That survived, and I believe, let me think, let me look, yeah, as I look at the, no, Hold On was played on uh, Allied Forces tour, but after Allied Forces uh, laid on the line, and American Girls were the only two, last two survivors. What is that, Thunder? Yeah. Wow. Or, or are you farting? No, that's Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my old lady. <laughs> yeah, that's your old lady coming home. <laughs> she's got the room mic. Yeah, you forgot to hang up the phone when you called her, and she's been listening this whole time. Oops. Love you, Snookums. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, American Girls. Boy, is this dumb. Uh, this is <laughs> definitely <laughs> 38 Special uh, land. Oh, I love 38 Special. And, and I, I like, like, the 38 Special's hits, but this reminds me of a 38 Special song that wasn't a hit. Um, and the lyrics, it, it reminds me of another stupid song I can't stand called uh, Summertime Girls by Y&T. Oh, yeah. uh, just retarded. Uh, I do like the guitars on it, though. I mean, I mean oh, uh, very layered. I love uh, it. Musically, it's not bad. Lyrically, though, uh, you know, it, this, this is borderline Bon Jovi. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I mean, no, I wouldn't go as far as Bon Jovi, but no, well, well, it's it's not Bon Jovi musically. But I but... will agree with you on "Summertime Girl." It is stupid like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's and, like uh, kissing chicks' asses. Yeah. You know. And, uh, and and fuck that. Let them know what they're good for. And, <laughs> and if, if 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 you don't like dinner, tell them. Don't say it tastes fucking great. Let them know they fucked that shit up. And to go back and try again. Hey, tell yourself that, Ian. I'm sure when she makes something that doesn't taste good, you keep your mouth shut. Fucking A right. <laughs> Oops. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, musically, I like the song, but um, at, at the same time, it's forgettable. But I will say, uh, definitely one of the better songs musically on this. And uh, and uh, this album's going to start to go downhill real fucking quick. Oh. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the next one and, uh, and let you know the title track, Just a Game. Oh, life's just a game. Yeah, Mongo Pawn in Game of Life. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, very forgettable. Very forgettable. Uh, if I want to hear this shit, uh, I'll listen to fucking Kansas, Dust in the Wind. Uh, much better song. Uh, th- this did nothing for me. I was like, when the fuck is this one going to get over? And this is, of course, the longest track on the album at 6 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, I-, I got a feeling this was inspirational to you, Ralph. But this one, I, I yeah, uh, the the boat took off and I'm still on the fucking dock, going bye, see ya. Yeah, Where yeah, you... big time, uh, big, big time inspiration. I love the fuck. This would be my second favorite song. I like this more than Later on the Line. Wow, there, wow, we haven't got to my. Actually, there is my second favorite song is still to come. Actually, the only other song I really care for is yet to come. All right. But uh, yeah, I find this very forgettable. But uh, tell us why you like it, Ralph. I think the lyrics are straight up genius. See, Triumph back then had no managers or anyone running the band by, but themselves. Mike Levine, the bass player, was out there pressing flesh with radio. Gil and Rick also took care of other aspects as far as, like, you know, uh, the music, the staging, the merchandising, booking of shows, and other stuff that goes along being in the business. These guys were smart and did everything back then the grassroots way and made it on their own terms because these dudes did not trust those puppet masters back then. And these lyrics show that. It shows that they were aware of what was going on. Like these lyrics, like try try too hard to remember all that glitters is not gold. You can pay the piper, but you cannot pay their soul. That to me is, it means what they're talking about, about them. Like, you know, you can pay us to play a gig, but you ain't gonna, you know, we're not going to sell out to you. And then, then uh, they're all talking about, then in this line where he says, Wizards of the modern age cast spells on electric power, but the corporate strings that make them dance lead up to the ivory tower. I'm sorry, man. That shit's Bob Dylan to me, brother. I love lyrics like that. It's just so, it is a little bit vague, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. And then the fucking chorus. It's just a game. You're in it all the way. It's just a game. Don't let yourself slip away. It's such a shame. I heard somebody say, it's just a game, and all I can do is play. See, I what, what I get out of this fucking genius. Uh, then the fucking music layered with all those guitars that is just so beautifully structured. There is no music like this anymore. Thank God for Ian. You can say... It's corporate rock sounding, what you've been saying all along about the Triumph. And I agree, it does sound corporate, but Triumph was never called that because these guys did never belong to a corporation. Unlike Boston, and hey, I like Boston more than Triumph, don't get me wrong. But uh, they made their own rules and won because back then positivity and music worked. Second favorite song on the album. Love it. I'll go to the next one. Uh, which is the little instrumental. Uh, Rick always throws out one of these. Uh, there wasn't really an instrumental in the first album, but technically there was because it's in the middle of 
probably my second favorite, all-time favorite uh, Triumph song, Blinding Light Show, which is a phenomenal fucking song. If you don't know it, G uh, Ian, don't listen to it. You won't like it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it has like a, an acoustic in, uh, middle section that's just gorgeous, just like this one. And uh, all the albums following, Rick always threw in one of those little minute pieces that are just, I don't know, man. I just love it with the little keyboards and it's so, so beautifully done. And uh, I think this guy's a fucking genius and very uh, over overlooked. But if y'all if y'all into guitar players, I suggest look up some of that shit that Rick Emmett's doing now. I mean, it's not like Triumph, but it's very guitar oriented. And he does a lot of shows like like club shows and stuff like that, and uh, where he does some of these songs uh, in acoustic form uh, live, which is phenomenal. And I love rick emmett to death man i think he's one of the my favorite guitar players technically no but he technically he's amazing too but you know you want to talk about technical and then you know Buckethead and you know you know uh, fucking um you know uh, paul gilbert's of the world you know they they smoke rick rick emmett but i i, I love rick emmett's playing just like i love blackmore you know Right. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll take feeling over tech, technical anytime. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, I, and I gotta say, Buckethead has both. You know what I mean? Right. Like like, Ingve. I, I I could name. While I do enjoy some Ingve, I could name a thousand guitar players. Yeah. That, that I enjoy more than him. Well, the thing about Ingve is I love Ingve up to marching out. And then after that, there's a song or two I like here and there. But uh, for the most part... So, so you like two albums. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I love Steeler. I love uh, Alcatraz. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the first Marching, uh, uh, Rising Force, and Marching Out. Yeah. Trilogy had Liar and Dark Ages, a couple songs. Then, you know, every other album had like a song or two I liked. But it just became so... That it was, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't speaking to me. Unlike Rick Emmett that held my attention through a bunch of albums, you know? Right. So, what would you say about this little instrumental? Uh, What's it called again? Something Serenade, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it should have been called Double D or DD. Because that's what it reminds me of is fucking D. Oh, uh, yeah, you don't like that. I yeah. love that. I love D. Very forgettable. Randy uh, Rose, by the way, he's talking about. You, 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 want, you want to hear a good uh, fucking instrumental from 1979, try Spanish Fly. Much better. Much better. Uh, this totally forgettable. Uh, but I, I see why it's filler on the album because I mean it's a short fucking album, you know, eight tracks. I, I think this is just something like they had to come up with something to fill it up because uh, to me it serves no purpose. Uh, it, it's a minute thirty nine and it, it, it's not an Eddie Van Halen instrumental. I mean, not that it has to be that technical, but I mean, just you have to at least hold my interest, and and this just doesn't hold my interest. I, I just you know. I'm holding on for the next song. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I love it because I feel like it's a good segue for the next song. All right. Well, kind of like little guitars into right. into little guitar, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Spanish Fly into DOA. Right, right, but I, I like those two. Uh, but uh, you're holding on to the next song, which is Holding On, the one that was almost a top 40. Hold hit. on. Hold on, yeah, hold on. Uh... And man, I, I I held on for this whole song, waiting for it to get better. Uh, man, to me this totally sounds like fucking, you know, Toto or Ambrosia, or fucking you know all, all the other shit from that from that era. Nothing nothing special about this to me. 
totally forgettable, uh, did not grab me at all. And I, I find it so funny that, that a band that can write such songs like Lay It On The Line and, and Fight The Good Fight, I, I can see why they, they didn't go much further because those songs were few and far in between. You know, to me, a lot of this other shit's like fucking wallpaper, uh, where those songs really stick out. And this one is, I, I listen, I actually listened to this album like seven times. And I mean, one, because it's short, but like, I kept waiting for something to grab me so I could have something to say one way or the other, but it was just so like bland to me, uh, that it was hard to, to have something to say good or bad one way or the other. It just, uh, very forgettable to me. What do you think of it? Hold on, Ralph. Well, I gotta tell you, you and I, uh, my favorite song is your second favorite song. Because uh, this is not my favorite song, though I love Hold On. And this is a positive song, and I love the lyrics to it. Everyone around you has their little schemes. Listen to your heart and hold on to your dreams. You don't hear shit like that anymore. It just doesn't exist anymore. Because now you're not supposed to hold on to your dream. You're supposed to look out for Hillary Clinton. You know? Or, yo, bitch, call me back. Give me your digits. Yeah, what they do, yo. Uh, you know, but back then, I mean, this song, again, very, very inspirational to me. I love this song. And I love, you know, back then, it, it, it makes sense now why I love ABBA and the Bee Gees and all that shit. Because back then, I hated disco. When this came out, I was anti-disco. Yet, there's a section on this song that's total disco. And I loved it as a kid because it was disguised in a rock song. And I love, you know, the, the very beginning. He's, it's the very beginning kind of reminds me what he did with Magic Power. He's just talking about music. How music is good for the soul and every note and intertwines with you. He, he kind of repeated it on Magic Power. But then he goes into this whole thing like, you know, hold on to your dream. Even though it seems, you know, it's like, no matter what, man, just be true to yourself. And don't listen to anybody around you. That's, to me, I always got that from the line. Everyone around you has their little schemes. It's like, don't, don't fucking follow. And that's the problem with today, man. A lot of people follow. And this, it's just a bunch of puppets today. Now, nobody's fucking like, if you're going to be original today, you still got to be fucking angry. You got to be pissed to make it in the metal business. You can't write a song like this anymore. You'll be laughed at, you know? Or, or, or people just think you suck. It's like, come on, in this world, you know? And it is kind of true. I mean, the world is not as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, look look at Dio. You know, Dio said it well during uh, the Strange Highways, you know? Oh yeah, all those lyrics I wrote about, you know, uh, hungry for heaven and reaching for the stars and make your dream come true. All that means shit now. And this was the 90s during the grunge era. But yeah. it, nothing really changed much, you know? You know, I, I don't know, though. Sometimes, you know, I, I think life, you know, like fucking suicidal says, life is what you make it. You, you know, and, and maybe, I, I mean, look at how turbulent the fucking 60s and 70s were. And, you, you know, but yet the music was so positive. You can make a choice to be positive or you can fucking feel sorry for yourself. And it's a lot easier to feel sorry for yourself than it is to be positive. Uh, you know, but you brought up a good point. Uh, yeah, if somebody was positive now, uh, unfortunately in metal, you can't do that. I guess that's too, uh, 
that's too cock rock. You know, you got to feel sorry for yourself and go, you know, which I refuse to do that because I really don't have any negative songs in my, you know, and have a fucking logo. Nobody can read, you know, that's metal. you got to be sad to be metal. you got to be mad. Fuck that, man. You know, but but I'll be a hypocrite. I like some of that shit. I'm not going to lie. I do like, I, I, I like some of it, but it's, it's, it's like, it's so there's no diversity anymore. Everything's yeah, everything's got to be fucking negative, and 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 that's become a cliche. Yeah, you know. And and the whole satanic thing is cliche too now. It's like, come on, how much more do we have to hear about? You know, to me, it's like I remember in the '80s being disgusted by these preachers like preaching on the pulpit how uh, all metal to send you to hell, and they look down on you because you don't believe in the Bible. Well, I don't see a difference now with these people like making fun of Jesus. Uh, you like Jesus? Fuck you, uh, Satan. This, Satan, that. It's like you, you, you both should go to bed with fucking Jim Baker because you're the same thing, just that op- opposite spec, uh, uh, opposite, uh, whatever I'm talking. About. The, the spectrum, yes, I, I get it. Yeah, but you know what never goes out of style? Pussy. Yeah. Fuck- Fucking never goes out of style. You don't hear songs about fucking anymore unless it's rap. And even yeah. then, it's like, yo, bitch, oh, you know. Well, you know, and like I've said before in past uh, episodes, a lot of people equate that with the downfall of rock and roll. Because kids don't want to hear, you know, not all kids. Some kids, like the kids who don't get laid, the kids who get picked on. Yeah, they want to hear the wham wham. Feel sorry for myself because they identify. They don't identify with getting laid because they're not getting laid. Yeah. But a lot of other kids want to hear that shit. And where do you hear it now? You hear it in rap. You don't hear it in rock and roll. Rock and roll is like, yeah, I don't get laid and I'm mad. You know. <laughs> you know. Well, you rock- know, and and you know, where Triumph is like, hold on to your dream. You see that Hoppy's ass. Keep holding on. You get the fuck it, man. Yeah. You know, everyone around you has their little schemes to fuck her, but listen to your heart, and you'll be fucking ramming that bitch up brown town. Yeah. And then when she leaves, you're young enough to cry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you're young, yeah. <laughs> if she's really hot, I'd probably still cry. But, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I might not like this album, but I do miss this era of, like, you know, rock and roll that isn't fucking wham-wham. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And there's and even young enough to cry, even though it's a wah wah song, it does have a little bit of a positive message in there. If you read it close enough, it's kind of like, hey man, you know, you move on. You know, it's like, but then you know, American Girls to me is the most har- harmful song. On here. <laughs> right, but you know, yeah, I mean, kissing, you know. I mean, fuck though. I mean, e- even Slayer, you know, talking a song about killing, but they're not feeling bad about it. You know, they're not whining about it. They're just telling you they're going to kill your ass. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, but, you know, but, again, Slayer is, uh, there's a, my point is, there is room for everything. Even what you were talking about, that, and, right. oh, I don't get laid. There's room for all that. I don't mind all that negativity in metal because, hey, it's metal and it's angry and right. it, it makes sense to me. It's good. I, I don't mind it. Right, but but you need variety, and now there's no more variety. And I would like a little space for positivity. And I'm trying to do it, but you know, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm never going to make a dent in the music business. Hey, you're fighting the good fight. Yeah, I'm doing what I do, 
and I try to be positive. I mean, not all my songs are positive per se, but they're not as negative. I mean, okay, yeah, all right. I have a song about Jesus coming back, killing everybody. That's kind of positive. But, you know, uh, you know, and there's a couple other songs. Uh, I, I sang songs about movies, lyrics, you know, like Jaws and Phantom of Paradise. But then I wrote songs like Demons and, uh, you know, A Perfect Enemy is another one, uh, which is kind of like a positive uh, lyric-wise where you don't let people step on you. You, you fucking, you fight and, you know, don't let injustices or your own personal demons take over you. And, and, and there's none of that today. And I feel like I need to do more of that shit. Well, that's why I'm working on a concept album about positivity called AIDS, the musical. <laughs> it does, does it talk about how uh, you're going to finally die and not have to deal with a cover band anymore? No, no. It, it just talks about getting laid. And at the end, you get AIDS and die. But the rest of it's all very positive. It's all fun. It talks about the fun side of AIDS oh, that nobody covers. Hey, that it, you know, fun. Getting, getting AIDS is fun. The actual AIDS... Yeah. I'll, I'll leave that to the death metal fans, but getting AIDS is a hoot, you know? Yeah, I can help you write the lyrics. It's like, you be positive. It's like, I'm not going to wear a condom and I'm not going to catch AIDS. I'm going to hold on to that dream. That's right, because, you know, catching AIDS, you're either fucking or you're doing drugs. Both very fun, positive yes. things. Uh, kids, listen, drugs are good. And yes. so is fucking, without a yeah. condom. Yes, it feels better. It just feels right. Yeah, you can feel it all. Yeah, exactly. Come in, come, come in them too. We need more unwanted children on this planet. <laughs> no, we don't. We need we, we, we need to help the community because uh, we need people to work at uh, abortion clinics. And I'm trying to fund them. The well, that's true. Yeah, that's, I, but but I'm a I'm a problem solver. But Ian, you got to remember, without new kids, we're not going to have new AIDS patients. Did you just say new kids? On the block. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's our AIDS segment of the show. Yeah. Uh, Help me take... spread it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spread it. AIDS. Spread the word. Um, let's get into the last song, which is Suitcase Blues. My favorite song on the album. Go ahead. Sounds like fucking Barry Manilow. What? Yeah, sounds like Barry Manilow. Well, I, I, like, I like Barry Manilow. Yeah, so do I. Uh, love it. My, my, my second favorite song on the album. Uh, it, totally out of place, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed a lot more than everything else other than fucking uh, Laid on the Line. There's just something cool and different about it, and I like Surprise. that. It's got, Surprise, you like it. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, it's got that weird vibe, and uh, it, it is. It sticks out like a sore thumb, but at least it's enjoyable, where I find the rest of it very bland. At least I remember this song, and every time I listened to this, I was happy. Like, oh, it's over, and I like this song. Uh, would I want a whole album of this? No. But maybe it's just that the rest of the album is so bad, I like it that much. But uh, I do enjoy this song. It's four so in the morning, there's not a soul around. I love those lyrics, man. Yeah, I, I, I can see Dave doing this, because it's just so yeah. weird. yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and Johnny Walker and the comfort that it brings. Waiting on the telephone that never ever rings. I yeah, love that. This, this could be on Crazy from the Heat. You yeah. Know? You know, this song reminds me of kind of like a lounge type thing. Yeah. Like a, you know, like a real mellow. And Jack, 
little jazzy, you know, when he goes, whoa, whoa. And you hear that little, you know, little scale progression. Like, oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautifully structured. The lyrics are perfect because it really does give you. And believe me, I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't been touring uh, like all my life, but the little bit of touring that I've done, which is about maybe like the total of three months, it really does live up. I mean, those lyrics describe touring perfectly. You know, the this dirty hotel room and, you know, getting drunk and, you know, uh, you know, going out there and, and playing your music and, uh, you know, pretty much suffering for your art because touring is hard. But believe me, especially for a band like Thrasher Die, which is like, you know, a club band, which, you know, we went out there and, you know, a lot of people that went to go see us were just people like hanging out. They didn't know who they who we were. So it was our job to go out there and win them over. And that's how it's hard. It's hard to do that because there's so many bands out there. Well, I, I, I think I'm going to have to tour uh, with AIDS the musical because nobody in New Orleans wants to hear it. So I might have to I might have to go on tour just to see if anybody else will buy it. I don't think San Francisco would want to hear that either. <laughs> well, we'll see when I go there this, this fall and <laughs> hang out yeah. with Bill Wang. But uh, yeah, this is a beautiful song. And if you want, you know, this is a song I don't believe Triumph ever played live because come on, this is a band with all pyros and lasers. This wouldn't fit the set list. But Rick Emmett has played this live on his club thing because I've seen clips of it on YouTube and it's amazing. It's you know, just, I, I saw they never played Hold On live. I could have sworn they played it on uh, Allied Forces. Uh, I think it said, I, I saw in the notes or something that they only played like a an acoustic version of it because they said yes, it was so yes. so so complex that they no, couldn't no, no, play no. it. Yes, you're right. Rick Emmett just did it alone, but he did. they did play it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it was during uh, the, the Allied Forces. I'm, I'm, I'm positive he played that song. But yeah, yeah he did they, so they, they never played it as a band. Yeah, okay, that's true. That is true. But uh, yeah, Suitcase Blues is just... Probably my second favorite Triumph song of all time. My favorite Triumph song is Ordinary Man from uh, Allied Forces. I think that, which is another song I, they did not play live, and I saw that tour, but it's another song Rick Emmett does on his solo shit. Um, and, uh, yeah. So you like, you like Suitcase Blues more than Lay It on the Line? Yes, I do. I like it more than every song on this album. Wow. And I love Lay It on the Line. Don't get me wrong. You're, you heard why I talked about that song. Right, right. I love right. that song. I like, but I like Just the Game. See, this is my favorite. Suitcase Blues, Just the Game, uh, Lay It on the Line. My three favorite in that order on this album. And then Hold On, I would say, would be my fourth. And then right. American Girls, then Young Enough to Cry, then Move On would be my least favorite. But, um, yeah, so that brings an end to this album. And, uh, I just want to bring up a point that the album cover itself, uh, if you look at it closely, it, it's a design where you see something that that uh, represents every song on the album in that piece of art. And uh, I don't really think it's a great album cover, though. To tell you the truth, I love uh, Allied Forces. It's simple: fly, well, be lightning, cool. I, I I love that it's a board game because I was bored. There you go. You know what's a badass fucking album cover? The the rock and roll machine. There's two versions, but the one that they're on stage and there's big fireballs around them. That shit rules. I love that shit. Now, now, see, I, I've seen two covers and neither one of them are that. Really? Yeah. Well, the one there's one as the flying V sideways, right? 
Yeah, that that was the international edition, uh, and then the Canadian edition has the three heads on the. That's you know. Yeah, that's uh, in the beginning though. That's the the Canadian version. No, the American version. I, I'll show you it. It shows. Uh, it, it's just uh, bombs blowing up, and they're on stage, and like a bunch of like pyro. It looks like Kiss Alive. Oh, you know, okay. like but you know with with fireball. I mean, the like Kiss Alive too. When you open up Kiss Alive too, not that big, but it's still got that same vibe. You know? Right. I love it. I love Triumph, and that brings the end to this uh, 1979 uh, second album, technically, uh, in in the states. Uh, just a game. Yeah. Well, it was released March 30th, 1979. Uh, was produced by Mike Levine, and. This managed to go gold in the U.S. and it went maple in Canada. Wow! There you go. They were they were pretty big in Canada. And you know, there's here's another thing. I I heard this in an interview not too long ago. I think it was Eddie Trunk or something. Uh, there was a bit of a rivalry with Rush and Triumph back then, and they didn't really get along well. But now they're great friends. And uh, Alex Lifeson, I forgot. I think he's good friends with uh, Rick Emmett now. Oh, interesting. Yeah interesting all right well uh ralph do you have a pick of the week this week yes i do Ooh, okay uh my pick of the week is the second album by the cars uh nice candio nice i love that album uh i think it's their best album the title track got a lot on my head the the the, the radio hit let go i love that song um should be do it's a it's a weird album but it's a great album uh, yeah, because uh, last week my, my pick was um, Debo. So I figured I'm going to keep with the new wave shit, man. Because I've been listening to a lot of new wave lately. The Cars, the Police. Well, Police ain't really new wave, but it's from that era. The Knack, I listen to a lot now. The first two albums I like. And uh, this one, Candy O, is fucking badass. And I heard uh, the, the title track came on my car the other day on Shuffle. And I said, God damn, I haven't heard Candy O in a while. So then I went and I put, I played the whole album and I was like, dude, this album has held up quite well. And you know what? Elliot Easton, very underrated guitar player. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a huge Cars fan. Uh, my favorite will always be uh, the debut. <laughs> You're wrong. But, uh, but Candy O would probably be my second favorite. Uh, the first one's amazing, but God damn, I'm kind of burnt out on it. You know what I mean? Uh, but. But still, man... Uh, Every song on the first one's a hit. Yeah, but, man, I just love the way um, the last two songs flow into one another. It's just moving... Moving, moving to stereo. It's stereo to... Um, what's the I, all I can think about is Phoebe Kate's tits. When I yeah, hear. but, but what, what, what's... The, the last song is actually my favorite, and it was never a single. Uh, but the way those two flow into each other, uh, all mixed up. All mixed right, up. Right, uh, right. Love that fucking song. But Candio would be my second favorite. Uh, the title track is definitely in my top five of all times car songs. Uh, Candio? Yeah. Oh. Or, that's the, my favorite song on the album. Oh, man. And you want to talk about some fucking smoke a joint uh, headphone rock. The Cars. Even though yeah. you, you, might, you might think the Cars, you might think Poppy. But, but listen to that shit with headphones on when you're really fucking high. Yeah. You know? Like uh, pa pa Panorama had some weird shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I kind of, by the time Heartbreak City came out, I was like, uh. Yeah, I didn't like that. 
I liked uh, Touch and Go a lot. That's another yeah. song I really liked from them. Yeah. Uh, that was on Shake It Up, I think. No, I think that's on Panorama. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Cars, good shit, good pick. All right, well, my pick is kind of of the same era, but uh, but definitely not New Wave, but a little bit closer to Triumph. And uh, that is Billy Squire. Uh, what, and Don't Say No? Love it. Yeah, that's a good album. Love it. Uh, Lonely I'm, I'm, is the night. Oh, uh, t- timeless. Now, again, that's one that a lot of people would hit with the uh, with the corporate rock kind of tag. But I absolutely love it. It's that weird category where you know you definitely wouldn't call it metal, but it's rock. Yeah, it's hard, it border on hard rock at times. In the yeah. dark is very hard rock. Yeah, uh, but just good songwriting. I, I, I mean. Good songwriting, good music, and and to me is timeless. Even though when you hear it, yeah, you will know it's from a different era, but it's just like it never sounds stale, you know, or or, or dated. Uh, I mean, it, I guess well, not kind of dated because you know when it comes from, but it's always good. You know what I mean? And uh, I definitely think it's his best album. Uh, I like a lot of the other ones, but some have a lot more filler. Where I think. Don't Say No is just a solid album from start to finish. I have two funny Billy Squire stories when you're done. All right. Well, let's hear them. All right. The two times I saw Billy Squire, something very interesting happened. Uh, The first time I saw him was a stadium concert, and I used to see a lot of stadium shows, so I'm not quite sure which show this was. This may have been REO and Rustin Collins and Billy Squire. It could have been one at the Miami Baseball Stadium. A hundred million people there. You know how stadiums are... Thousand, thousand. And I'm in, you know, the field, like, I don't know, about maybe 20 feet back from the stage. And Billy Squire's playing, and when they stopped and they're saying their goodbyes, the drummer threw out his drumsticks and broke my lip wide open. Oh, shit. Out of everybody in the fucking stadium. (laughs) You know what I mean? What are the odds? Bust, and I didn't even see it coming. I'm just like, you know, I'm probably stoned or something. And all of a sudden, bam! And I didn't even get the drumstick on top of it. I was like, fuck, and I was bleeding. Oh, damn, you didn't even get the drumstick. I wasn't paying attention. I was probably looking at some hot chick's tits on some guy's shoulders. Because back then, <laughs> a lot of girls flashed their tits. Uh, and, uh, yeah, because it was very positive back then. <laughs> yes. And there was no HIV positive. It was like the different kind of positive back then. And then the second time I saw Billy Squire, this one's, you know, going from really bad to really good. The second time I saw Billy Squire was... Um, Rat open, and it was rat well out of the cellar, and they destroyed. I mean, badly. They were really that was the best time I ever saw rats. Uh, and um, that night, uh, during Billy Squire, I got so bored, and uh, I walked out, and there was this girl, and I'll never forget it, in leopard pants, that basically drunk and coming on to me. And I'm like, hey, baby, you know. Eh? Took her upstairs, up up to the top section where there wasn't a lot of people up there uh, in the nosebleeds. And I proceeded to have sex with her during Billy, Billy's fire. So then I saw my friend Larry and uh, she was still horny and wanted to fuck. And then I was Larry, come here, man. And, you know, she, and, uh, you know, I was like, hey, this is my friend Larry. And she's like, hi, Larry. And I go all over him, too. And then Larry proceeded to fuck her. And... After, after, you know, and then, you know, when he was fucking her, you know, I was, I, you know, I was a gentleman. I left. I wasn't going to be there. Either. So after the show, 
Uh, <laughs> I see Larry, and he has her shoes. And I'm like, what are you doing with her shoes? He's like, I took her shoes. And I'm like, dude, that's fucked up. That's, that's fucked up you took her shoes. Now, the way the Hollywood Sportatorium was, the Hollywood Sportatorium, it had like a little lake that surrounded it. It was like, you know, like I mean, you know, like a little canal. It was a little canal, it was maybe like five feet wide. It was all water. And he threw the he proceeded to throw the shoes oh, into wow. the water and I thought that was fucked up. I was like, dude, she gave pussy, you know. And then I saw the girl and the Sportatorium parking lot was all rocks and shit. Oh Yeah, I felt bad for her, man. But I went, not, oh, was was it was this chick fucked up or was she just ready to she go? She was fucked up, drunk. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I don't know if I, you know, technically I took advantage of her, but I was like 16, 17. Come on, man. You know, back then, you know, my dick would get hard for anything. You know? And she was, she was actually very cute, too. I remember her being hot and drunk and ready to fuck, you know. Ah, oh, God damn, I love right. that. I love that early 80s, boy. Right, right, right to 85, man. It was golden, you know. Right. I let that, let that be a lesson to you, kids. That shit ain't going to happen at a fucking Slipknot show. <laughs> you yeah, know? I know. Well, you, it you will, know. but she'll be like 300 pounds full of crabs. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with fucking sad makeup on. But yeah, you want to get laid, go to a cock rock show. <laughs> yeah, back, back then that was uh, cock rock pre-cock rock. Yeah. It was also pre uh, that stupid video he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rock me tonight, whatever the fuck. Exactly. Which I, uh, but yeah, uh, so Billy Squire, that is my pick of the week. And, uh, hey, let's get into the plugs. What do you say? We don't have a fan of the week? Oh, shit. I didn't do fan of the week. I've been drinking. Fan of the week this week. Now, I've been paying attention, uh, to this poll that was up on the page. People who said they weren't a fan. And I saw a lot of people on there. I'm damn near positive. I've already been fan of the week. So I don't think people are listening long enough, but this is one guy I know I didn't pick, but I see him posting all the time. And that is Owen Doorhinge Walton. Oh, I think and, he's actually a friend of mine, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, well, I, mean, I mean a friend on my Facebook. Well, Owen, I do see you posting. I do see you active on the Facebook page, and that's what we ask for. That's what I look for. And you are our fan of the week. You so I rule, hope... Owen. Unless you're not listening now, then fuck you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to see some shit like a year from now. I mean, you're lucky I'm drunk. I totally won't even remember. <laughs> but, yeah. And I'm sober but... and I won't remember because I'm old. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, stay positive. Let us know you heard this. I only remember shit like my friend throwing shoes into a canal. Right. Well, that's because you got late. Yeah, that's true. My dick, my dick holds a lot of memory. <laughs> Thinking with the little head. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's get into the plug. My little head's not going to remember Owen. Matter of fact, I already forgot Owen. Who? Yeah, exactly. Fan of the week, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, plug time. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal based podcasts. You'll find everything from music based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, 
Gully, G-U-L-L-Y, A-N-D, J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it, don't be a cunt. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. All right, well, if you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the album, hey. come, back, come back next week when uh, we're going to see if uh, Gene Simmons is true about Kiss going on without him. Because he's coming in to review the new album by Bobby Blotzer's Kiss. <laughs> Whoa. Bobby Blotzer got a kiss now, right? He, that... Is there anything he can't do besides drum? Well, I figure, you know, since he opened for Billy Squire, he should do Bobby Blotter's Billy Squire band. That's coming next. Yeah. And that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bobby Squire. <laughs>